The power of Jesus is in this room. Father, this is holy ground. This is your truth. Father God, you put, Jesus came. to defeat Satan. And you have put us on this earth to push back darkness and claim the power that was bestowed upon us as an inheritance because of Jesus' death and resurrection. Father, I come in your name today. I come in the power of the blood of Jesus I come with the authority that was given to us. I bind Satan today. I bind his demons today. In the name of Jesus, God, there will be freedom in this house today. Just like we were saying of our country, time for us to start fighting back. You didn't die and resurrect for your people to live in bondage. But to live in freedom and power. By faith in the name and the power of Jesus. Today, God, we come into your presence. Satan and his demons must flee. Now bless these words. Let me be a conduit from your throne room to this earth, to these souls, and all those listening, all those listening. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. So, demons are real. Uh, it's, well, first of all, we're just going to talk a little bit about Lucifer. Lucifer was one of the most beautiful angels that God ever created. Um, he was beautiful, magnificent. Um, and he, well, his, he's got several names. He forfeited, the, he forfeited that power, and he's now known as Satan the devil. Um, so Lucifer, Satan, the devil, all the same. Revelation has different names for him. That old serpent, he's an old serpent, he's old, he's been around forever. The great dragon, the destroyer, that's what he does. The accuser of the brethren, that's what he does. He accuses you day and night, me, day and night. The deceiver, we're going to talk about these things. Lucifer is kicked out of God's presence and he reigns on this earth. Jesus called him on many occasions the ruler of this world. He is the ruler of this world, for now. There is a war going on in this world. There is a war. We have an enemy. We have an enemy, and it's real. So this is the story. On the, angels, on, on the day the angels came to present themselves in Job, you guys know the story of Job. We talked last week about the angels. We know they go and present themselves to the Father. Well, this is Job 1, 6 through 7. Satan also came with them. This happens regularly. The angels come before God. Satan comes before God. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I've come from controlling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Nothing's hidden in the spirit realm. 
Nothing's hidden from God. The enemy can see, God can see. It is, it, there is um, vigilance. There is vigilance by Satan over this territory. There is vigilance um, with the demons. Now, Satan is not like God. He can't see everything all the time. He sends out his demons. They come back and report. God is all-seeing, all-knowing. That's not Satan. He's one at a time, one place at a time. He can't do what God can do. But here's the thing. Jesus himself knew. He says in John 17, 15, he, he's praying to God. Jesus is praying. He said, I'm not asking you to take my children out of this world. He said, but I'm asking you to keep them safe from the evil one. Jesus knew to pray to be protected from Satan. He knew to pray to have his children, his disciples, be protected from Satan. He knew that there was a spiritual war and that he himself had to pray that God would protect his children from Satan. We've had this crazy um, war strategy. It's not a war strategy. So we all know what's going on in the Ukraine right now. Let me tell you, I've been praying. And Lord Jesus, I just take a second, God, please be with these people, God. Be with the people in Ukraine. Protect them, God, and stop this evil, we pray in Jesus' name. But the people in Ukraine, they're just living in their own territory. That's their territory. Okay? That belongs to them. Something evil is coming in and invading, trying to take it from them. This is a, this is a picture of what's happening in the spirit realm. With this, what, our spiritual rights are our rights given to us by God, but Satan is always trying to take them. Do you know what our war strategy is? Let's just ignore Satan. Let's just pretend like he doesn't exist. Let's pretend like demons aren't influencing us. Let's pretend like it's not happening, and then he'll just leave us alone. Really? Do you think if the Ukrainians ignore Putin, he'll just go away? Come on. You don't lay down to evil. You don't ignore evil. You don't pretend like it doesn't exist. This strategy, quote unquote, that we've been using, where we don't acknowledge that there, that there is a demonic force that we are to address, that we don't acknowledge it, that we don't fight it, that we don't come against it. Let's see. What's the fruit of it? Because the Bible says you'll know something by its fruit. For decades, we've been doing this. And what's happened? In America, we used to have prayer and Bible reading. It, in my mom and dad, while they were growing up, every morning in their public school, over the loudspeaker, they would pray and read scripture. I found some of my mom's old high school papers. They had to memorize scripture in their public school. That's in her lifetime, my dad's lifetime. Under this, let's ignore Satan plan, because we don't, we don't do deliverance in churches anymore, hardly at all. Hardly ever. Under this ignore Satan plan, what's happened? No prayer, no Bible reading. Abortion has become mainstream. And I talked before about the millions of babies aborted every Death. Teenage pregnancy through the roof. We have 120 genders, last I checked, it's probably gone up since then. I mean, come on, it's chaos. Because we're ignoring Satan and not dealing with what we're supposed to deal with. This plan of ignore and he'll just leave us alone or pretend like he doesn't exist is spiritual negligence. It's spiritual irresponsibility. And do you know who it's dangerous to most? Us. Satan's coming from us, for us. Are you kidding me? He is coming for the people of God above all. 
we have got to take action. Satan tries to convince people, well, if, if you can't see it, I'm not real. You know, I talked last week about the cartoon character. If he can get us to believe he's a cartoon, if he can get us to think if we can't see him, he's not a true enemy that really affects our lives, our families' lives, our country, our nation, the world. I mean, what's happening over in Ukraine is demonic. That's evil. So this is the work of Satan and his demons but, but so Satan tries to get us to think, well, if it's not, if you can't see it, it's not real. Well, I don't know. What does the Bible tell us to do? It tells us to walk by faith, not by sight. It tells us to fix our eyes, not on what's seen, but on the unseen. Here's the reality. If you can see it, it's temporary. If you can't see it, it's eternal. This world is temporary. I'm temporary. You're temporary. We're temporary. This house is temporary. The world is temporary. The Bible tells us in the end, this whole world will be destroyed, and we see it moving towards that real quickly. I mean, so this is temporary. To ignore Satan because we can't see him, to pretend like it's not real, um, is giving Satan exactly what he wants, and he's using it. Evil doesn't waste an opportunity. We're wasting opportunities every day, but evil doesn't waste an opportunity. It's our fault. It's our fault. Because we were empowered with this power that we're wasting. And we've got to get to war. The first step is we've got to understand who our enemy is. The Bible tells us, Ephesians 6.12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenlies. Um, an immature Christian, when things go wrong, they're fighting everybody. They're fighting everybody. An immature Christian, they're mad at their doctor because of what he's telling them about whatever sickness. They're, they're, they're mad at their employers because things are going the wrong way. They're mad at their spouse. A mature believer understands that things happen in the spirit realm and that we don't war against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and dark forces. And a mature Christian understands that things happen in the spirit realm first. And we attack, we go against what's happening in the spirit realm. We don't, we don't deal with down here. You're mud wrestling down here. You're going to mud wrestle with that? Have you ever gained benefit from that? Just pours gasoline on the fire. I got news for you. Your husband's not your enemy. Satan's your enemy. Satan hates family, hates marriage, hates it, hates, really hates Christian marriages. But he hates all marriage because marriage is holy and sacred. Family is holy and sacred. Your enemy is not your spouse. Get your eyes off your spouse. You guys know what I went through with my marriage, and that's a whole story. But what God did is he said, don't ever point your finger at your husband again. Get your finger on the enemy. You go at that enemy, and you honor your husband. He might not even earn it. Or you honor your friend. Or you honor your employer. You honor, because this isn't your enemy. They're participating with the enemy. And God will deal with that. God will deal with people who participate with the enemy. That's a whole other story. We'll probably get to that. But what we're doing is we are quote-unquote fighting Satan because Satan is operating through situations and circumstances and what we're doing is we are operating on his territory you know what we're doing about our nation 
wringing our hands, wringing our hands, talking about how bad it is, worrying, fretting. You know what we're doing about our families, our children, our schools? Worrying, fretting. Fear is Satan's territory. Fear and anger and rage and all these things. Okay, so now you're operating in his territory. So now he has authority. Well, what, so what does the Bible say? The Bible says, cast all your anxiety on God because he cares for you. But look at this. This is a spiritual. This is a spiritual warfare strategy. Set be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in faith. Anxiety is demonic. And when we operate in anxiety, it allows Satan to come in and steal, kill, and destroy. You have to resist him. But what we're doing is we are operating in his realm of power, being anxious. Resisting Satan is operating in faith, saying, okay, you old serpent, you dragon, I take authority over you in the name of Jesus. I resist you. Our war strategy has to be our eyes on Christ and coming at him. We should be running at the devil. We have been given authority over him. He is real. We run at him. You know, as I was preparing this, the Lord reminded me of David and Goliath. Look at how David ran at Goliath. This is how we run at Satan. You come against me with a sword and spear and javelin. Listen, David is a boy. Goliath is 10 times his size and has the whole nation in fear. How many nations are in fear under evil right now? Ours, pretty much all of them. So it's something so much bigger, so much more impossible than us. But it, our, our strength has nothing to do with anything. You come against me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of armies of Israel whom you have defied. Satan is defying our families. Satan is defying our nation. Why aren't we running at him like this? This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give your carcass of the whole entire army to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord says, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. This is the demonic strategy. Come on, we are warriors. That's a child. That's a child. It's the same demons. It's the same faith. It's the same God. It's the same. The Bible tells us God does not change and the power of God does not change. We got to wake up. We have got to take action. Satan will do anything and everything to stop us. And it's up to us to let him or not. It's our free will. We give him permission or not. We either quake in fear from him, like all the entire nation of Israel did, or we stand up and say, I'm only one person. Let me tell you, this is how this started for me. Some of you know, some of you don't. We've got podcasters listening. But, you know, in my mid-30s, I had an extreme encounter with the Holy Spirit. Changed me forever. 
and the things I said I would never do or the things I'm doing, which of course is standing here speaking. Thinking demons was not something I ever even gave thought to. You didn't think about it, didn't? I mean, I thought, I, I, if you would have asked me, I would have said they existed. I didn't have anything, I just didn't. But God revealed to me the truth of this. God revealed to me that we had power over them. God revealed to me bondage I was in, my family was in, and a whole bunch of people I knew was in. And God revealed to me in the most extraordinary way, incredible way, how to begin to fight Satan. And I started to take my authority. I started to take steps, didn't know what I was doing, didn't have to know. It was, it's the Lord who does this. It's the Lord who does this. And, and it's been, that was 2010, 12 years we've been setting captives free. 12 years we've been doing deliverance. And there is power in the name of Jesus. And, and good people are under the thumb of Satan and their lives are in distress. And sometimes it's mild distress and sometimes it's extreme distress. But this is the thing, and I'm going to talk, first of all, I'm going to tell you guys some stories today. And as I tell you guys stories, you know, I'm going to say, you know, I did this or whatever. I I want to just make it clear, because you have to tell a story in first person. I want to make it clear. I have not done anything other than follow in faith the steps that God has given me to do. It has been a battle. Let me tell you something. It is a battle. And it is worth it. And this lie that if you, if you face Satan, it's going to make it worse for you. Let me tell you, it's a fight. It's a fight. But every, if you knew where I was in 2010 and my family was in 2010 and where we are now 12 years later, let me tell you something. Fighting Satan blesses your life. Fighting Satan gives you freedom. Fighting Satan gives you health and blessing, and emotional health, and spiritual health, and it blesses others, and it fills your life with purpose, because that's why we're here. And he doesn't just have certain ministers do this. This is us. So I'm going to tell stories today throughout the time, but I want to make it clear that when I say I, it's not me. This is the power of Jesus Christ, and he works through any servant who will humble themselves and trust him and step out in faith. It is the Lord and only the Lord. But I first want to talk about Satan. And this is what I want to say before I talk too much about him or the, and demons. I talked yesterday about getting too angel-focused. It's very strange, but people who start to learn about demons, they can easily get in a pretty funky ditch. Seeing demons everywhere. It's all about demons. And before you know it, we're focused on demons, not God. I just want to make it clear. I'm not giving a demon-focused talk. We will talk about it a little bit because we study our enemy to a certain degree. We learn their tactics because the Bible says we're not unwise to Satan's tactics. But we don't want to become demon-focused. We become kingdom of God-focused. And when you're kingdom of God-focused, the demons come at you, deal with it. You know what? These demons, it, 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 here's the thing. It's like, bring it. You know, I don't like to fight with them. I don't like it. It's a battle. But I love it because it is power. People are set free. Lives are changed. My life was changed. My household was changed. 
There is power in this. So we don't want to become demon focused, but we do want to understand a little bit about him. So here we go. The war broke out in heaven. Michael, the archangel, which we studied yesterday, I mean, last time, and his angels are waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought. Obviously, demons are the angels that fell with Satan, but they were not strong enough and did not prevail. <laughs> like the archangel, like Archangel Michael couldn't take on, you know, with God's blessing. They couldn't prevail. There was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the age-old serpent who is called the devil and Satan, all these names for him, he who continually deceives and seduces the entire inhabitant of the world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down, down with him. That's why he's here on this earth, roaming around this earth. He's a deceiver and the entire world is deceived. See, they don't know they're following Satan. If they knew it, they wouldn't do it. They don't know they're deceived. Satan is a master of deception. You've got to think about how good Lucifer is at what he does. Lucifer decides to plan a coup on God. It's literally a coup. And he tries to plan a takeover because he wants God's position. He's so good at deception that it blows my mind. How does he convince one-third of the angels to leave paradise heaven, perfection, leave heaven and go to hell. He convinces them to leave heaven and go to hell. They're angels. They've been in God's presence since the moment they were created. But see, he convinced Eve to do the same, right? Leave paradise, go to hell. He is a master at deception. This is how good he is at deceiving. This is why we need the army of God, the buckle of truth, it says. It, truth is the only way. It's, that's why the Bible says the truth will set you free. It, he deceives and deceives and deceives. And here's the thing. His demons now know what an awful mistake they made. They left the beauty and splendor and love of God. God loved them. They are now in hell where Satan hates them, tortures them, and torments them. Let me tell you, in 12 years, I've done so many deliverances I couldn't even count. But in 12 years, I could tell you that these demons beg and plead not to be sent back to hell. Because when they go down there, they're tortured. In heaven, they were loved, protected. They were in their beauty and their splendor. They are now disembodied spirits. We talked last week, angels can appear. Demons cannot. They're disembodied spirits. They have to have a body in which to work. They forfeited everything and gained that's how good of a deceiver Satan is. See, when we don't follow God, when we follow Satan, he deceives us into believing there's something in it for us. Some type of freedom, some type of gift, some type of healing, some type of blessing, some type of financial whatever, whatever, whatever. He's got, de he's got deceptions everywhere, fame, glory, you name it. And because he is the prince of this earth, you remember he offered Jesus a whole city. Remember, that was one of the three temptations. He offered Jesus a whole city because he was in charge of the city. Jesus didn't argue with Satan that he was in charge of the city. He was in charge of the city. He just said, bow down and worship me. And Jesus is like, you're crazy. Of course, I'm not going to do that. But he has this authority and he promises people gifts, short-term gifts. Let me tell you something. There is short-term gain. 
there will always be, the Bible tells us that. It tells us that there is short-term gain in sin. It's always fun for a while. It's always good for a while. It's always, you always have beginner's luck with, with following Satan. Always in the beginning. But at, in time, let me tell you, the bill comes due. And the bill is a million times worse than any benefit you ever gain. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. But he fooled the angels in heaven. Without God, we have no defense against his deception. But that's why we study the word of God. We know the word of God because God God's word is the truth and it protects us against those deceptions. Otherwise, we'll be deceived. I've been deceived plenty of times. I dece- I, that's why I read my Bible like a crazy person. I can't get enough because it is such a gift, because it protects me. It guides me. It helps me know what true north is. The word of God is true north. Here, the Bible says that Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy in John 10.10. And we know his goal is to destroy you, destroy me. He hates us. The demons hate us. They hate us because we can be redeemed and they can't. They chose to leave heaven. Do you know how much those demons resent us? I can't tell you how many times I've done deliverance and over millions of times, probably millions. I don't even think I'm exaggerating. I don't know. I didn't count. But these demons, they've come up and they say, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. They always say that to me. And I always say, thank you. Because I feel like as much as my friends tell you who I am, my enemies tell you who I am. But by the way, they hate everybody. When you're in alignment with them, they hate you. They're there to destroy you. They don't love any. They don't have the capacity to care or do right by anybody. Not by anybody. Everybody betrays everybody. There's, there's no loyalty in a demonic world. This is, they hate us. But we go into agreement with them. Because they deceive us. And we go into agreement with them. And I'm going to talk about that. But I want to read this, 1 John 4, 4 through 6. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people. This is people who follow the enemy. Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in this world. The spirit of God in us is greater than the spirit of God in the world. And by the way, the spirit of God in you is greater than whatever person Satan is sending against you. You know, we're very open. My husband and I are very open because it helps other people. My husband was really used as an assignment against me for a long time. It broke me. Shouldn't have broken me because I didn't, but I didn't know about the power of God then. But I went crazy. He went crazy. We all went crazy. It was a big, horrible mess, you know, and God redeemed it all. And now it's a victory story for the kingdom of God. I mean, that man is the best thing in the world. I don't even have words. That man is my greatest blessing, the greatest blessing. But it was a spiritual battle. But, but the fact is, I had to stand in the power of God and, and know that he was deceived. And the spirit of God that was in me was greater than his deception. And you guys know the story. It took three years. God eventually came to him in a dream in the middle of communist China. And it began a complete turnaround. God did it. God did it. But here we go. But the spirit of God is in us is greater than the spirit that lives in us. Those people who belong to this world, they speak from the world's viewpoint because they belong to the, the enemy. And the world listens to them. But we belong to God. And those who know God listen to us. If they don't belong to God, they don't listen to us. That's how we know if someone has a spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. 
People who can't receive truth, they're, they're still under deception. And by the way, they are not our enemy. They are not our enemy. I've been under deception. You've been under deception. They are not our enemy. But we have got to beware because Satan is deceiving the world. And let me tell you something. Satan teaches people. I'm standing right here teaching you. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, by being taught. Satan teaches too. Believe me, he's teaching disciples all over the place. Just look at our schools. Look at our colleges. Look, do, don't you know that every movie is Satan teaching something? Don't you know that every wicked song is Satan teaching something? Don't you know that every politician that gets up and fights to kill babies who are nine months to term in their mother's womb is teaching political evil agenda? Come on, this is demonic teaching. We've got demons teaching everywhere, but we've got demons teaching in the church. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly in the last times, some will turn away from true faith. They'll follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Demons are teaching. Demons are teaching. These people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. Demons are teaching. It says it lots of places. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen through 15. For such men are counterfeit apostles. Deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ, and no wonder, since Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light, they don't know they're following, they think they're following light. They're not following light, they're following Satan, they're following demons. But he disguises as an as a, as a angel of light, and because they don't know the word of God, they're deceived by him. They don't know. They're deceived because the word of God lets us know what truth is. So it is no great surprise if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. They get people to believe that they are actually righteous and they're demons. In the end, they'll get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. Another one, 2 Timothy 3, 5 through 9. They will act religious. Be careful. Because let me tell you something. I can't tell you how many times I've had these conversations with people and they're just like, yeah, well, my pastor... Uh, Billy Bob, my aunt, my uncle, my cousin, my, I mean, they have a list of people and these people tell them that this isn't true. And I'm like, well, I have the word of God. I don't really, I don't really call my list of relatives into this situation. I call the word of God. But see, people end up following people instead of the holy scriptures that are powerful and alive. It says they will act religious. They'll have a form of godliness, but deny and reject its power. People who reject this, what does it say to do? Stay away from people like that. Don't even fool with them. Don't even fool with them. They are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable people. These teachers oppose the truth. They have depraved minds, counterfeit faith. He's like, they're liars. They're, they're sick. But they won't get away with this for long. Someday everyone will recognize what fools they are. You know, every time God talks about this in his word, he's like, someday the bill's going to come due. The truth will be known. Let me tell you something. These are pastors, bishops, reverends. Careful. Careful. God puts people in places of authority in churches, and we are to honor them. But the Bible says you'll know them by their fruit. I don't walk into a church trusting a pastor. I don't walk into a church saying, I say, I'm going to watch for a while. I, I'm going I'm to date this church for a while. It's dating. 
You're getting to know something. Watch it. Find out if it's real. Be careful. Don't just hand your trust. I, I, I was naive. I was a naive person for a while. And I got burned enough times. I'm not naive anymore. I am very careful. Watch and see. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 1, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. Let me tell you something. We've talked about this. The more religious people talk, you know, as soon as I have a plumber, an electrician, or a contractor come into this house, and they have the Jesus sticker, and the coffee mug, and then I'm just like... You're probably a demon disguised as an angel of light because I've been burned by y'all so many times. I'm like, you know what? I have, I have very faithful godly men who have worked for me for a long time. They love God. They honor God. They have always been honest with me. We've always been honest with them. They don't have to, they don't have to do false advertising. They live it. And I'm not against, I mean, listen, I love, to, I love to further the name of Jesus. So I'm not saying don't wear, you know, I mean, I'm for that. But I'm saying, there's, don't, don't trust it. Don't believe it. You, there, is, there are demons. If I were a demon, what would you do? You'd walk into a church. You, you, would, you would disillusion everybody by your demonic just destruction. So there are real churches. And the closer we get to end times, the fewer and fewer there will be. So be careful. This is why, but you know what? I, I just want to say this as a side note, but I am watching an army of God rise up. And you know where it's not coming from? Not really coming from the churches. Shannon just gets out there and gets it done. Us sitting here in this Bible study today, I'm meeting with a man on Saturday. He had a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit uh, three years ago, and he has literally started home groups all over the world, and they have deliverance, and they have healings, and they have all this stuff, and we're getting together to, because there, it's not a church, it's not a denomination, it's not a big building, it's the power of God rising up in his people, and, and that's, that's happening. But how do we counter these lies, and how do we discounter these deceptions, and I'll tell you how, Jesus how we counter it Jesus the name above all names let me tell you how many times in deliverance one of my favorite things to say Jesus every knee will bow every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord those demons hate that they hate every knee will bow every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and let me tell you I've looked them in the eye and I say you know it don't you you know, you will bow, your tongue will confess, you know he's Lord, he, they do know he's Lord. But let's look at one of the most famous deliverances in the Bible. Mark 5, we're going to start with verse 1. So they arrived at the other side of the lake, in the region of whatever it is. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and burial caves and could no longer be restrained. So first of all, I want to say this. Um, when someone is fully possessed, we're going to talk about being fully possessed. We're going to talk about demonic oppression. But when someone is fully possessed, they have supernatural strength. They have strength that cannot be, it is not of humans. So nobody could restrain this man. Um, 
whenever he was put in chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the graves and the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. By the way, there is a huge uprising of self-mutilation of cutting, especially in our youth. I deal with it all the time. 100% demonic. If you know somebody who cuts, bring him to Jesus. That's what stops it. It's happening everywhere. That's the whole demonic thing. But let me just say something. This man came running to Jesus. I want to point that out to you. I say to people all the time who, we, we, we were doing a lot of deliverance for a while. We've taken a break for a while. We're about to start back up. Um, it is very difficult work. And you have to take seasons of rest. Even Jesus took seasons of rest. So we've had to take a season of rest, but we're about to start. When, during that time, we had a two-year wait. Do you know how much people are desperate for the freedom of God? A two-year wait. So these things are scheduled in advance. Although I believe that God's about to do a new thing. I believe God's about to do a new thing. So I don't think we're going to, I think it's going to be different. I have, by, I have by faith, I think we're going to be able to move along much faster. But anyway. I would schedule these things, and people would know they're coming. And I'd say, listen, you are going to feel Satan's going to try to do everything he can to keep you from getting here. You will have, he will tell you every lie. He will make you panicked. He will make you angry at me. He, will, he, he gets very specific about a person. He'll make you hate me. He will tell you not to come. He will tell you this is crazy. He will, he'll try everything. It's up to you. Your free will. You overcome this. If this man being this demon-possessed could run to Jesus, do you, you know those demons try to do everything they could to keep him from running at Jesus? But he had the, the, uh, the will to overcome even though he was that afflicted. And by the way, people are this afflicted constantly. They're just locked away now. These dear people are locked away in institutions, and they are just demonized. The name of Jesus would set these precious people free. This man is precious. You're going to see this at the end. He is precious. He is a precious soul that has been consumed by demons. And by the way, we're going to talk about this. Demons, it doesn't mean it's anything he ever did. It might be, but it might not be. And by the way, it doesn't even matter how they got there. Jesus set you free. doesn't matter if it's your doing or generational or whatever. We don't even care. Jesus will set you free. But he ran out of, and here's the thing. People say the devil made me do it. Let me tell you something. That's a lie from the pit. The devil appeared straight to Eve. God didn't say, well, Eve, it's not your fault. The devil made you do it. Devil, Satan himself appeared to you. Satan, it says Satan entered Judas Iscariot and he deceived Christ. Did, did Jesus say, well, it's not your fault. The devil made you do it. Come on. You have free will. If this man had the free will to run at you, if you want freedom bad enough, you will get yourself there. And believe me, I know because I fought for my freedom. I have been through a lot of deliverance. Jesus set me free. Jesus set me free. Let me tell you something. You want deliverance? You want freedom? You're not going to care what anybody thinks. You're not going to care. Your ego and your pride and your embarrassment, it's not going to get in the way. You go to Jesus and he sets you free. And let me tell you something. I got free. And then my husband's like, she's a whole different person. I think I'll take some of that. He, and at the beginning, I'm telling you, he was like, you are crazy. I mean, he, would, he wasn't bashful. He'd make fun of me. He was, he was mean as a snake. He'll tell you. And then he's just like, ooh, man, that's real. <laughs> How do I sign up? He's a transformed creation. 
But anyway, but this man runs at Jesus. Run at Jesus. Run at Jesus. He'll bring you freedom. Run to the source where you know you can get freedom. When Jesus was still a distance away, the man saw him and ran to meet him and bowed low before him. He, the demons had taken over his words. The man couldn't talk, which by the way, I've seen this happen many times. Demons take over people's words. He couldn't talk, but he could run to Jesus and he could bow before him. And even though he couldn't even get the words out, sorry, this makes me emotional because I've seen this. I've seen this. I'm going to tell you some stories, but he couldn't get the words out. But Jesus knew, and, he, and with a shriek, the demons are screaming, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? The demons knew who he was, right? No question. In the name of God, the demons use the name of God. I beg you, don't torture me. See, it wasn't Jesus torturing him. Jesus is going to send him back to hell. I've watched these demons go back to hell. It's like, it's like you picture, well, we're going to read about it. It's, it's quite a scene. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. And then Jesus demanded, what's your name? My name is Legion because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirit begged him again and again to send them some distance away. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding in the hillside. Send us into those pigs, the spirit begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus, because they need a body. If they don't have a body, they go to hell. So they have to, and, and, and animals can be demon-possessed. I've watched documentaries about lions. I've watched all kinds of things. And Dave and I, there's a whole movie on things, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, those are demon-possessed lions. They couldn't stop them. They couldn't kill them. They did everything. They couldn't die. Animals could be demon-possessed. Any mammal could be demon-possessed. Um, send us into the pigs. So Jesus gave them permission, but what do they do? They can't help it. They run the pigs up 2,000 into the lake and they drowned them in water because demons can't help but kill. They can't help but kill. Jesus gave them the body and all they could do was kill it because they, they're so evil they can't help but kill. They are, they need a body. They need a place where they can, where they can be. But, but let's just continue on. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus. They saw the man who had been possessed by the demons. He's sitting there fully clothed because he was naked in the tomb perfectly sane they're all afraid now i've seen this response over and over again they're afraid why aren't they being like this is the most beautiful thing i've ever seen then those who had seen what had happened told others about the demon possessed man and the pigs and the crowd pleaded with jesus to go away he's been tormenting this town he's been screaming all night long cutting himself tormenting everybody they've been trying to tie him up he's sane and they want jesus to go i've seen this i've seen this reaction so many times it baffles me but why did they react that way because they're deceived by satan they're they're in deception they, but jesus says no, uh, so i'm mean, sorry jesus getting on the boat the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him Jesus said, no, go home to your family. Tell them everything the Lord has done for you, how merciful he has been. This is why I stand up and say very boldly, God's been merciful to me. I've been set free. So the man started off to visit the 10 towns and that region and began to proclaim the great news Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Deliverance, the, the, the term deliverance has been marred by Satan. He's made people react this way, fearful. That horrible movie, Deliverance, I never saw it. 
but you hear the word deliverance and you think of some twanging banjo or something. That's, Hollywood belongs to Satan. That's not, a, that's not a mistake that Satan made a movie or whatever with the other, I don't know what they're called, maybe Sybil or Psycho. I don't know. I've never watched any of them. Um, but what I know is Hollywood has created a narrative that's demonic to keep people away from getting freedom. Deliverance is beautiful. Deliverance is the most beautiful. It's not scary. It's not freaky. It's not, it's not, it's not any of the, th it's beautiful. This is beautiful. And the name of Jesus prevails over evil. And that's why Satan wants people to have this reaction to it. Fear and shutting it down and all that stuff. We have got to destroy the stigma. We destroy the stigma. Jesus did deliverance in public all the time. Not in dark alleys, not in dark rooms, not in... He did it in front of every man, woman, and child. I tell people all the time if they'll listen about my deliverance and the deliverance of other people because I want to destroy the stigma. I'm taking it back. It's beautiful. Look at this. Luke 8, 1 through 3. Soon afterwards, Jesus began to tour nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him along with some of the women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, we all know about Mary Magdalene, whom had, he had cast out seven demons. But she's not even the only one. He took out several women and Mary Magdalene, all of who were previously demon-possessed. Now they travel with the disciples to further the kingdom of God. There is beauty. This isn't a thing of shame. I take the shame away. In the name of Jesus, I take the shame and the embarrassment and the tight-lipped and the fear and the dark alleys. I take it away. This is a beautiful thing. And you know why Satan hates it so much? Because it shows the power of the name of Jesus that he must tremble, he must flee, he must submit, and he must obey. I want to tell you guys this. You can be born with demons. So often people are like, Oh, it's something, you know, terrible that I did. Might be. That is true. We're going to talk about some of that stuff. But you can be born with them. We have this story. A Gentile woman came to Jesus pleading, have mercy on me. Son of David, for my daughter is possessed by demons that torment her severely. Dear woman, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. It's a child. What did a child do to get demons? I was in India doing ministry work. This woman brought her little girl, similar to, uh, to that, and she brought it to a group of us women, and she pleaded with us. She said, my daughter's demon-possessed. She said, please help my child. She had this red cord around her neck, which represents um, Hindu. And we said, this necklace has to come off, because you can't, have, you can't coexist with idols. You can't have this that symbolizes a demon and, oh, I just reminded, remembered I was supposed to take my necklace off. Sorry, it pounds against the mic. Um, you can't do this which is um, associated with demons and also call on the name of Jesus to set you free. She said, if I take this necklace off, my husband's going to be mad at and furious with me. And we said, we can't, you can't do it. You can't do that. You can't, you can't claim this child for Satan and also come for deliverance. You have to choose whom you will serve. So the woman said, I want my daughter set free from demons. And we said, you know, what happened? Well, when we started to inquire, she, they had committed this child at a Hindu temple. We commit our children to God. That's not a ritual. That means something. 
We commit our children to God. We have a dedication where we commit our children to God at birth. Well, so do demons. The child had been committed at a Hindu temple. They did a ceremony. They think it's a beautiful ceremony to protect their child. It doesn't. Torments their child because Satan's a liar. We do. We pray over the child. The child gets free. You know, but this wasn't something the child did. But those demons would have stayed with that, that little girl for the rest of her life otherwise. There would have been no freedom for her. And everybody would have been like, she's crazy. She's this. She's that. No, she's not. It's not her fault at all. Don't, don't, it, does, it doesn't matter how they got there. Can we stop with that? Because it does matter when you're getting free. And we'll talk about that. But I just want to say, you can be born with them. We have another example. Starting Mark 9, starting with verse 14. When they returned... To the disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. Some teachers and religious laws were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed and they ran to him. What's all this arguing about? One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son to his disciples, to Jesus' disciples, to heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. This happens a lot. Won't let him talk. And whenever he makes him mute, and whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Seizures. We have seizures all the time. It doesn't mean every seizure is demonic, but it certainly does mean it could be. And you could be set free. People think that there's no, no help for it. Um, violently to the ground, he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out evil spirits, but they couldn't do it. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground with foaming at the mouth. Deliverance can be pretty extreme. This is war. If you want war to be pretty and quiet and, I mean, have you, none of us have been to war, I don't think, my father has, but Josh has. The men who have been to, Ken has. We've got several veterans here. War is awful. If you want this to be pretty and quiet and whatever, then you're not going to go to battle. Cowboy up, this is battle, you know? Like, come on, this is battle, and it's ugly. And it was ugly when Jesus did it, and it's ugly now. The Spirit often throws him into the fire trying to kill him. Have mercy on us if you can. If you can. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus is offended. Anything is possible if a person believes, and this is very important. You go for the deliverance, you've got to believe. If you have doubt, don't waste your time. And it, don't waste the deliverance minister's time. It's not fair. It's a, awful, it's a really tough battle. If you have doubt, don't do it. When people have doubt, I say to them all the time, it's okay, but let's wait. I'll send you scripture. I'll pray with you. But I can't go into battle with somebody who doubts. Can't do it. Because you have to believe. So anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe but help me overcome my unbelief. You know why he had a hard time overcoming his unbelief? Because he had been disappointed so many times. Jesus understood. I have been there, you've been there. Disappointment after disappointment, it starts to erode our hope that it could ever be better. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit, that makes this boy unable to hear or speak. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. The spirit screamed, threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. I take back the lie that delivers. It is a battle. The screaming and the yelling and all that stuff, that's not beautiful, but the result is, who cares? When we win the war, when we beat Hitler, Germany was in ashes. 
But was it worth it? It's worth it. You know, it's a beautiful thing. But that boy didn't do anything to deserve that. So I, I want to just take back the narrative that if you have a demon, is there something bad about you? But sometimes we do open doors, and if we do, then we deal with that. But so often, deal, healing has to do with casting out demons. Did you realize that this boy was healed? Healing and deliverance often go hand in hand. Often sickness is demonic. We see here, Mark 1, 32 through 34, that evening, ever after the sunset, people brought Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. So often you will see healing and deliverance go hand in hand. Mark 3, 10 through 11. He had healed many people that day, so all the sick people eagerly pushed forward to touch him. And whenever those who possessed by evil spirit caught sight of him, the spirits would throw them into the ground, shrieking, you are the son of God. Demons know. You see healing and you see deliverance together all the time. So we need to understand that a lot of sickness comes from demons. Uh, Luke 13, starting with verse 10. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. Wait, she was crippled? It was, an, it was a demon that was making her crippled. She had been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. It was a demon who did that to her back. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you're healed of your sickness. Then he touched her and instantly she could stand straight. How she praised God. I want to just stop there for a minute. Remind me to come back to that spot. These demons... They enter in sickness all the time. And I have a story. You guys know a little bit of the story of Kim, but I really haven't told this group the whole story. But I want to talk about this because this was one of her stories, her back. I was teaching at a conference for women. There were hundreds of people at this conference. This was a church that didn't believe in any of this stuff. They didn't even believe in an altar call. They didn't want me to do an altar call. But I work for the big guy. So... <laughs> I didn't ask permission. I figured I'd ask forgiveness. So I did an altar call, and I, my mom was there. Um, a couple other people were there, and I said to them, probably no one's going to come forward because they don't do this in this church. But in case more than, like, two or three come forward, will you please, will you please uh, come up and help me pray over people? They said, sure. I did the altar call. The whole room stood up except for maybe two or three people. We started praying over women at 7 that night, and we prayed till 6 a.m. that morning. <clears throat> People are hungry for the power of God. They're desperate. Kim, who I'd never met, you guys all know Kim, who flies here, takes her vacation days, works all day, gets on a plane at 7 at night, arrives here at midnight, and is here by 7 o'clock the next morning, and used vacation days to do that. You know why? She's encountered the power of God, and she's so desperate to help this message get out to you for your freedom because she had this experience. Kim, I didn't know this because I was knee-deep in hundreds of people all night long praying, but my mom and some other people observed she came in and left the line because the line was, you mean, you know, it's all night long. She came in and left. She came in and left. She came in and left all through the night. Finally, she is the last person. 
there's still some people in the room, but she's the last person I'm They're still being ministered to, but she's the last person I'm praying over. Oh, no, she wasn't. There were three people behind her. I'm sorry, I take that back. There were three people behind her. <clears throat> I go to pray over her. She wanted healing. She was a camera woman for a, a news station, a big news station, and these big, huge cameras, one of these cameras had fallen on her back and crushed her spine. She had been on disability for years. She had a daughter she hadn't been able to pick up. She lived in constant pain. She had a stem thing in her back that night. She couldn't, she couldn't function without it. It would just try to keep her from. She went to church every Sunday. She went to church every Sunday. She had been like that for years. Faithful person who went to church all the time. But this church didn't do healing. This church didn't deal with demons. This church didn't do this stuff. So this woman lived in this horrible pain. She comes forward for healing, and people were being healed that night. She came forward for healing. I go to pray over her to be healed. She goes into deliverance. Because let me tell you something. You know the difference between a healing and a deliverance. She goes on the floor, and this is how holy I was. I was like, oh, God, not here. I can't, this church is going to kick me out by morning. <laughs> She's on the floor. Do you know what I did? I stepped over her body and went to pray for somebody else because I had to, like, what am I going to do? Blink, blink, blink. Like, they're going to freak out. I'm going to do it. I'm in, a hotel, I'm in Hotel Hershey. By the way, we had sold the hotel. They'd never had a conference that big. They wanted me to put a biopsy about my husband, my job. My I said, no, I'm only going to tell you a biopsy about what the Holy Spirit has done in my life. They didn't want that. We fought about it for weeks. Finally, they put it in, and that filled the Hotel Hershey. They, we filled it. So I'm just like, okay, already, like, this is sticky. Now we're in a ballroom in the middle at 6 a.m. in the middle of a, and, I, and she's rolling around on the floor. I got to think. I go to pray over somebody else, and I prayed over the next couple of people, and I'm like, I don't have to think. Steph, are you going to care about what people think or this woman who's <laughs> rolling around on the floor? Jesus sent you to set her free. Girl, get yourself, get yourself straight. So we go over there and we start to do deliverance on her. So demons take over. There's all kinds of nuances to deliverance. But in the middle of this deliverance, I said, I don't know her name, but I know she's important to this ministry. She's creative. And she popped out because demons take over and it's, it's a whole process. But anyway, she goes, it's true, I am creative. She goes back under. Then we did a little more deliverance and she came back up and she said, I don't believe in this. She was like, what is my husband going to say? I said, well, honey, you believe in it now and he's going to say you've been healed by Jesus. And she was healed that night. Satan had taken her voice. Kim Kim looked completely different. She didn't, she didn't look like you, the Kim you see now. She looked like a totally different person. She had, she, he had stolen her voice. She has a lot to say for that. She does so much for the kingdom of God. He had literally kept her from speaking. The other women that were in line behind her that witnessed this, all those women serve in my leadership committee because they saw the power of God that night and they were like, I'm doing business with God. This is serious stuff. And this is the power of almighty God. Kim rose from that. She goes home to her husband, who didn't believe in this, that she was scared to death. By the way, her husband, was a, his father was a pastor, a lovely man, a lovely man, just didn't believe in this. So his wife stayed in bondage. She went to church every Sunday. She stayed in bondage. 
He goes home. He's like, I want in. She was scared to death what he was going to say. We had to, we were back then. I wasn't a real ministry then. I didn't even think I was a ministry. I just thought I was teaching people over the phone. He said, I just called us Bible girls. I called us Bible girls because my dad needed a web name to put on there. I said, I'll just do Bible girls. He's like, you don't want to think about it? I said, no. I didn't think it was a real thing. Her, her husband was the first man to join this Bible study. He said, I want to be part of this. Can't get in fast enough. Let me tell you, the power of God, and it healed her back. She ripped the stem thing off in the middle of that deliverance, threw it across the room, has never needed it since. She went home, she picked up her daughter and twirled her daughter around. She hadn't been able to pick up her daughter in years. She got a job within a week. And she now works for CBN, as you know, and has, God has raised her up higher and higher and higher in her career. What I'm saying is that's the power of deliverance. Deliverance is beauty and it heals. Luke 13, one Sabbath day as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. So here's the beauty of this woman being healed. Do you know what the religious people do? This is what the religious people do. But the leaders in charge of the synagogue were indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. There are six days of the week to work, for he said to the crowd, come on, come on those days to heal. Not on the Sabbath. Are you kidding me? This woman's healed. This is what religious people do. But the Lord replied, you hypocrites, each of you works on the Sabbath day. Don't you, unite your, don't you untie your ox or donkey to let them have water? This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, a child of God, has been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right that she be released even on the Sabbath? This shamed his enemies, but all the people rejoiced. Do you know that this is how... That church went back. They were mad as hornets. She got called in before them. They, they, then she went to, she, she, this is how, she wanted God so much she went to two churches. She got called into that church. Then there was another church that she attended, and that pastor was just curious. The other church, the other church was like, oh, I, I want to know about this. This is wonderful. That church where I was teaching, I was right. They were mad. They were they weren't like rejoicing. Oh, this is so exciting. How wonderful is this? They were mad. They didn't want that kind of craziness going on in one another. They didn't like the fact that there was some, you know, disruption in their conference, which, you know, I'm like, are you kidding? But, but see, this is, isn't it interesting? The demons knew that Jesus was the son of God. The religious people didn't. The religious people hated it. The demons know better than the religious people. Okay, the next one, Matthew 12. Oh, you already have it up. A demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak. Demons affect health all different ways. Was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so that he could both speak and see. The crowd was amazed and asked, could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. The religious people called Jesus Satan. I'm going to tell you something. This is a, still the response today. Next one, Mark 3, 20 through 22. One time Jesus entered the house. The crowds began to gather. Soon he and his disciples couldn't even have time to eat. His family heard what was happening. They tried to take him away. He's out of his mind. So his own family said he's out of his mind. Satan will send anybody and everything. Don't let it stop you. We can't let it stop us. But the teacher of the religious law who had arrived from Jerusalem said, 
He's possessed by Satan, the prince of demons. That's where he gets his power to cast out demons. Over and over and over again, they call Jesus demon-possessed. They call demon-possessed for casting out demons. There will, be, there will be opposition, but mostly from the religious community. Do you know Jesus ate with the sinners, the prostitutes, the tax collectors? Do you know they, they ran to this? They knew they needed it. They were humble enough to know they needed it. They wanted it. They were desperate for it. They didn't have pride. But the religious people hated it. And that's who will oppose you and me when we do it. Satan tries to use religion to keep people in bondage. Satan tried to use religion. They were always saying to Jesus, how dare you eat with sinners and tax collectors? Because they wanted to keep, they were used by Satan through religion to keep people away from the healing, the redemption, and the power of Jesus. Satan will use religion to keep people in bondage. It's up to us to have the discernment. Another one. Matthew 10, 25. Students are to be like their teachers and slaves are to be like their masters. And since I, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons, the members of my household will be called even worse names. But I won't be afraid of those who threaten you. For the time is coming. And always, he says, don't, don't worry about it. Every single time there's opposition, every time he says, don't worry about it. It's, it this will be dealt with. But he's just like, if I have been called that, you will be called that. So we can't worry about that. People are going to say things. People are. Mostly the religious people. Mostly there will be religious opposition. But are you going to let that stop you? Because I'm not letting it stop me. Those people are in bondage. Those people are deceived. I'm looking at my time, and I'm running out of time. So I'm going to do a little bit more, and I guess there's going to be a part two. Um, because there, this, it's interesting. I had double these notes, and I couldn't, I couldn't get, I, I narrowed them down to half. Um, let me see what I'm going to do here. I'm going to stop there. I, I want to tell you guys, this is what I'm going to do. I want to tell you that Christians have oppression in their lives. We might not be possessed, and I'm going to talk about this more next time because we're, we've just run out of time. I wanted to get to the root of how it affects us, but I think that's a whole other topic, and we're going to save it for next time. Christians are oppressed all the time. They live in oppression. They live in bondage. Christians. And I'm going to show you all this next time. Next time is really kind of going to be the, the root of this. I was laying groundwork for what's coming. So you might need to re-listen to this before we get there. Jesus died for our freedom. Don't live in bondage. You know what? Even while I'm talking, you might start to feel a stirring. I didn't know anything about this. I didn't. God miraculously led me to a book, and people have asked me what book it is, and I don't recommend it because there's a lot of weird stuff. Think about it. If you're a demon, what are you going to do? If, if, if You would keep people as far away from this as you can. You would twist and, and pervert and make this. So the, the book was a nuts. God knew because there was nobody to teach me. 
God knew there was enough truth in that book, and I had enough. I knew the scriptures well. My parents raised me reading the Bible. So I knew the word God. So God knew if I read that book, I would have the ability to sort through enough to understand that this was real. And as I'm reading this book, I felt a stirring. I felt a stirring. I could feel the stirring. And I knew, I'm like, there's something there. And you know what? I got so excited because I was like, there's freedom for me. I've lived under stuff. I've lived under stuff I didn't want to live under. I lived, some of the stuff was I lived under a spirit of mourning. I didn't know there was such a thing as a spirit of mourning. I was stuck in the spirit of mourning. The first deliverance I ever had. It's the most powerful. I wasn't even planning to share the story today, but since we're cutting off here, I have a little time. I went to, I was on a journey because I was discovering the power of Almighty God. And I was on a journey and I was hungry and I didn't, I never had a pastor to teach me. And I think, and I was, I would plead for God for a mentor. And I think, and God never sent me one. And I think it's because he didn't want me attached to a person. I might've started to elevate the person too much. He made me fully dependent on him and he would send me little steps and he would teach me the next step and the next step and he's still doing that today. He just keep learning more and more. And, and certainly in the area of deliverance, I'm learning more and more. Um, because the power of Jesus that breaks the chains. But I had read this book and I knew that there was some freedom coming. And I'm in the middle of kind of reading this book. I had just started it. And I got invited by my real estate agent to go to a Bible study. I went to a Bible study. I get there, it's like in the hood. There's a big black van that looks like it would abduct children. <laughs> and I went, I had led, um, the, this ministry was started, it's a long story, but through uh, one of my best guy friends, and I led him to Christ, and he was growing in God, and I didn't want to go alone, and Dave at this point was just like, I want nothing to do with any of this crazy stuff. So we get there, and I'm like, take me home. He drove, take me home. This place is crazy. I want nothing to do with this. I just am freaked out. He's like, I'm going in. I said, no, I don't want to go in. I've made a mistake. I, he's like, nope, I'm going in. He's like, I'm leaving you in the car. And I'm like, I'm not sitting out in the car. <laughs> and because see, this is the thing. I didn't understand spiritual opposition back then. So I didn't understand that demons would make me feel this way. I didn't know I was about to get a level of freedom. And I didn't know that. I didn't know this stuff yet. So I felt this way. And I'm so glad I did because I understand that people feel this way. I understand what people go through. I've been through it all. I've been through it all. That's why it was with such great humility. And it's such an honor when someone entrusts themselves. Because I know you have to trust someone to go through this. But anyway, so I, was, I go in. And this room was filled with people who had previously been in prison. And they had all found Jesus in prison. And I walked in in my little, you know, heels and my little kitten heels and dress and whatever. And, and I fell in love immediately. I sensed the sweetness of Jesus because the Bible says that those who have been forgiven much love much. Amen. Satan says you've done too much. You can't ever be forgiven. 
as if your sins are bigger than the blood of Almighty God and the resurrection of Christ, please. And these people knew they had been forgiven and redeemed and they loved them so much. And I literally, these people became my family. I love these people. And so I walked in and there was just the sweetness of Christ in the room and I relaxed. And Janice, who has now gone to heaven, he was leading, he was the leader of this Bible study and he was a big, huge, muscly guy, kind of like Josh. Big, muscly guy, bald, except for he had had his head cracked open so many times. There were scars and stuff, all big, huge. His head had been open front to back several times. Scars everywhere. He had on a wife beater. I mean, literally like at the typical thing. And we sat down and I knew nobody in the room. We don't know anybody. He turns to me. He says, you have, you are stuck in the spirit of mourning. You are stuck in the spirit of mourning. I was heartbroken over my marriage. My marriage was a mess. Um, I had loved very big my whole life. And all it ever led to was pain. And I didn't know how to get out of that pain. I didn't know, I didn't know how to not live in that. I do now, but I didn't then. And so I lived in a place of pain all the time. And I was, didn't know how to get out of that pain as much as I love Jesus, as much as I went to church all the time. But we're supposed to encounter the power. And so they started praying over me. And I manifested. I mean, a demon came out. That demon was assigned to me to keep me in mourning, in depression, in sadness, in heartbrokenness. Satan would just send one person after the other to just add on. Now I have the shield of faith up. Don't work like that anymore. He still sends them. Just doesn't work anymore. God has taught me. But I was set free that day. And the power and the joy that I had lived in that my whole life, and I finally didn't have to live in this sadness. I was stuck in sadness. It kept me isolated in a way. It was... Listen, I started reading a book and I realized there was something there. I felt a stirring. You might be feeling a stirring today. You might be able to feel it. You might not. Sometimes they lock people down. Sometimes they open people up. But let me tell you something. God has freedom for you. God has freedom for you. God has healing for you. This is the good news of the gospel. Jesus died and was resurrected for our freedom. We are not supposed to be Christians living in bondage. Not anymore. The kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God is here through us. We are just his hands and his feet. So don't live in this bondage. Don't live in this bondage. I'm going to talk next time about how God has equipped us. I'm going to talk next time about how we open doors. Christians open doors to demons and don't know it. And we give him, it's called legal right. Because what deliverance is, is it's a courtroom. The Bible says that God is a judge. He is the just judge. And deliverance is just a courtroom. The demon might say, I have legal right because they've gone into agreement with me. Or they've allowed this. Or they've blah, blah, blah. It's very easy. You just amend it. That's how the powerful the blood of God is, the blood of Jesus. You just say, Lord, I renounce that. I confess that as sin. I'm not in agreement with it anymore. That quick, they've lost their legal right. 
So we, but you, but here's the problem. Christians don't know that they're, they're opening these doors. Christians do not know. I didn't know. Christians don't know. Now, in retrospect, I should have known. I mean, because I'm going to show you things in the Bible. Retrospect, I should have known, but I really, truly didn't. And so we're going to, I'm going to show you how we give him legal right. I'm also going to show you how he has equipped us to set the captives free. But what I really want to do today, I'm going to pray over this room. And I'm going to do it again next week or next time. Please listen to this again before you come. I'm going to pick up here. I laid the groundwork. I plan to do it all in one day. But you know what? I don't want to rush this. This is too important. I want all of you to have freedom. Why would you not have it? What would keep you from it? What, what is holding you? And, and I'll explain to you some things that will let you know. Like you, you might not know. If you don't feel the stirring, there are some signs that I can tell you. Hey, these are signs to know you're in bondage. But a lot of times, no, you don't need somebody to tell you the signs. You can feel it. You can feel it inside. So I'm going to pray today. And if you know you need freedom, first of all, you might not even be able to hold it back. Don't hold it back. Second of all, if you know you need freedom, don't leave without it. Or even we'll schedule it. But don't live like this. Don't live like it, not when Jesus paid for it, with his death, with his blood. There is power here today. So I'm going to put on a little bit of music because music is power in the spirit realm. We all know Satan was the prince of music. He was the director of worship in the spirit realm. That's why he uses music here. M music ushers in demons, and we hear that all the time. Music ushers in the power of God. So that's why I always play music when I do the prayer time. I also do it sometimes, you guys know I do it loud, because sometimes we're dealing with personal issues, and I'm just trying to protect people's personal issues. But I'm just going to say a prayer. I'm going to put this music on. I don't even know which I, what song I have coming up. But I'm just going to pray a little bit out loud. Lord God, we've come here to do business today, God. We've come here to do business. We've come here to do business, Jesus. Lord God, we come in your name, Jesus. Jesus, your name is the name above every name. Jesus, your name is the name above every name. Freedom has come to this house. Freedom has come to your people, Jesus. No more bondage. No more bondage in Jesus' name. No more bondage. We break agreements in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Father God. Holy Spirit, fall on this room. Break the chains. By faith in the name of Jesus, we break every chain. By faith in the name of Jesus, we break every chain. Chains will fall. Mountains will move by faith. Satan, you are defeated in Jesus' name. I come against you now. Satan, I come against you now. I come against you now. I come against you now in the name of Jesus. I break every chain. I declare war on you. Satan, where you have people in bondage, I declare war on you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Oh, 
Jesus, 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 Jesus. The mountains will move. A mustard seed of faith, the mountain will move. The mountain has to move. The demons have to flee. They have no right. These children are blood-bought. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, we praise you. Chains are falling. Chains are falling. <laughs>